Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship, and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Welcome back, my sweet, sweet pleasure seekers. For those of you, I'm welcoming you back because for so many of you, you've been avid listeners for so many years, like probably at least one, some of you, even the entire over nine that I've been on and with over 500 episodes available. I certainly hope that this isn't your first time, but if it is, welcome. And you have so much content that you can go back and look at it. So for those of you who are brand new, uh, and if you do like my shows, feel free to pass them on and share them with people. And for those of you who are brand new, feel free to go back and whatever platform you're watching this on or listening to this on, go back and look for all the other episodes that might jump at you, that would interest you, that intrigue you. There are so many different topics that I talk about. Everything has to do with pleasure, whether we're talking about how to get into pleasure from a place of trauma, whether it's looking at pleasure from a historical standpoint, sociological, psychological, I like to dive in on so many different, so many different levels. And also looking at things like relationships and all things also to do with physiology. And tonight we also have another show on physiology. We I did a show, is it last week or the week before, all about uh, hymen hymen development and variations of, of uh, different kinds of hymens that can come up, hymen variants. So we talked about those, the perforate hymen and imperforate hymen and all of those variations that we were talking about. And today we're talking about genital and uh, genitals in general. <laughs> That's a tongue twister, genitals in general, generals in genital. We're talking about genitals and we're talking about a lot of things about how they develop, why they might show up different on some people, why they're not consistent. Like why, why is it that all our bodies look so different? You know, uh, and the beauty is that they all do look different and they all develop differently. So essentially in the womb, we actually all have start off when we're the zygote, we're all the same. We all it doesn't it, like the development of genitals doesn't happen until uh, through our development weeks into developing. So we're not going to get into too many scientific specifics on this. Uh, I'd like to try and keep it as understandable as possible without uh, mind boggling you with uh, all things biology and anatomy, even though I love talking biology and anatomy. This is really to get you guys to know that probably what you've got in your pants is a-okay and what you you know what you've been feeling maybe shy about or awkward about what you've got is probably just exactly what you need and for some of you who have genital dysphoria 
and you know body dysphoria in general there may be there may be some um legit things going on for you that maybe there's chromosomal stuff where you're where you actually feel like you identify more with a um with the genitals of say for example you were born amab assigned male at birth but you feel like you identify more as female, there may actually be something going on. You might actually have like XXY chromosomes. So you might have um, like Klinefelter syndrome, or there might be some something going on that has you feeling that. And, and then there is also just the acknowledgement that you feel that way too. So I don't want, I don't want to take away from anybody's experience who's going through, um, who may be trans, who's experiencing that they actually feel very much like their genitals are like, this doesn't fit with me. What we are going to be talking mainly about today is shape, size, looks, all that sort of stuff, and what constitutes normal. Because I know that a lot of people have, whether it's like fear or sadness or whatever it happens to be around how their bodies present and what it is like, oh, I'm not big enough. Oh, I am too bulky or I'm too this, or I, there's so many things that people have and we attach a lot of importance around genitals. And even there are, you know, there are cultures who have actually paired people together based specifically on their genitals. So there is significance around it, you know, depending on how you would, you know, how your genitals showed up, you would get paired with a certain partner. Um, and that was, that was uh, in cultures, in uh, indigenous cultures in North America, that happened more in the South. Um, and I don't want to like, get too specific because I don't remember the name of that, that uh, specific um, clan. So uh, I'll just leave that out there. That information, actually, I remember watching that on a Netflix series that had to do with, um, I think it was called Petal, and had to do with genitalia. So there is there are actually quite a few artists that are dedicated to normalizing genitals and the variations in genitals. And one of them you can find is the Great Wall of Vagina, if you've never seen the Great Wall of Vagina, it's a display of, it's actually vulvas, like vagina is not the right term, but you know, it's funny. So it's actually the Great Wall of Vulva, but <laughs> it's the external genitalia, which is the vulva, internal would be the vagina. And most of us don't like, you know, bring the forceps open and stare inside of a vagina. So we're looking at the vulva, which is like the labia, is all the external genitalia on what would be usually uh, AFAB, assigned female at birth. So how do we figure out what's normal? Like we have a gauge and we have certain things that would tell us what's normal. And we will talk about that as well today. So for those of you who are are wondering what qualifies me to talk about this. I do work with people. I am a holistic health professional and practitioner. I work with people with their health and I also work with people with sex and intimacy. So a lot of times I will have people who are concerned. I've had 
uh, I can't even tell you how many men who get concerned about the size of their genitals. It's either that they're concerned about it or they just want to check in with me and show me what they got. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We're going to go with maybe it's both. Um, either way, generally speaking, if your genitals are healthy, you're good. So let's, I'm going to put out that blanket statement is like, as long as you don't have disease happening and you don't have pain and you don't have like a stink that's really vile, like as if you do have a disease happening, like some kind of a rot happening, as long as you don't have that, everything else is a-okay. It's actually quite normal because we have so many different things that influence the way that our genitals develop in birth that actually would go from being AFAB, assigned female at birth, to AMAB. So we all start out as AFAB. We all start out as what would be assigned female at birth until certain things kick in. And then there's a period where things start to change. And then what appears to be uh, external genitalia that may be male, which would give you an assigned male at birth, start to show up. Though there are variations where you can be AFAB, assigned female at birth, and have internally, you can have um, testicles inside. So instead of having ovaries, you may have testicles, which would indicate a few things for you that you probably wouldn't even know until you're like maybe 20 years old and you haven't had a period and you're not developing sex, uh, secondary sexual characteristics. And there may be some other things going on where you're like, hey, I don't really have a hole for a vagina. Like there could be some, some variations there. So the thing is, actually all these variations are normal. It's that we have been really stuck on the idea that genitals are binary. You've got AMAB and AFAB. So you got assigned male at birth and you got assigned female at birth. And these two things have been considered the norm for quite a while. Actually, even historically, I remember reading articles that go back several uh, articles that were like historical documents that have to do with um, medicine and what was considered normal genitalia in AFAB people. So if they were assigned female at birth and they had extra large clitorises, there were surgeries being performed in ancient Greece to actually remove this extra tissue because it was considered like vulgar. And so you have, historically, you have clitoridectomies happening um, because of the vulgarity of it, not for religious reasons, which clitoridectomies still occur for religious reasons. So Anywhere that there's been genital mutilation, I would say that's not normal. It's common, but it's not normal to mutilate people's genitals. Um, and a lot of times that is scar tissue and it can lead to pain and it can lead to a lot of other things that trauma that are trauma-based that, you know, a lot of times when you're told this is a normal thing that you just go along with it because you think that's like, this is cultural, this is okay. But um, I would say that, yes, culturally, that would be normal for people, but, and it's common, but is it, uh, you know, is it okay to mutilate people? I really don't think it's okay to mutilate people. So 
That's a side note. Genital mutilation is not is not the topic of tonight, although I could do an entire hour on genital mutilation, which I think I already have done that maybe like seven or eight years ago. But tonight we are specifically going to talk about what you're born with and is and is that normal? Is it normal to have variations? especially variations and I think for a lot of people who watch pornography and they might be comparing themselves to what they're seeing on tv uh on porn or even on like regular shows what was I was watching the vikings and the vikings had some on some of the viking programs there was some like super nude scenes where you're seeing like genitals all over the place because you know according to According to the movie makers, um, Vikings were having orgies all over the place. So <laughs> there's like genitals left, right, and center on Viking shows. And a lot of people that they put on sets and they're showing on movies, they tend to have a lot of, we'll say, showers on, you know, if you're having naked uh, male genitals on screen, you tend to see a lot of showers on screen. Uh, unless they're going for humiliation scenes where they would show somebody who's uh, been maybe uh, maybe smaller or maybe had been turned into a eunuch, there's, you know, that's, again, that's genital mutilation, so that's a little different. So when you see things on TV and you start to compare yourself or if you see things in porn and you start to compare yourself, just get that these are actors and they have, you know, they have touch-ups done, they have things done, they've even probably even had surgeries there. I, I would say that for, I really don't watch porn. I think I've seen like a total of like three porns in my whole life, maybe, not even fully. I've watched like educational videos, which are different, like they definitely have a different feeling about them. And um, so there's, they're just not my thing. So, and not knocking anybody who's into that. Although if you're an addict, that's a whole other story. But uh, when you watch anything like that, you're gonna find that if you're trying to compare yourself to somebody on porn, you're gonna find yourself constantly in that comparison and judgment where you're gonna feel probably not so great about yourself. So, I would say step away from that and just know to start with that as long as, again, you're not in pain and there is nothing funky like a funky disease going on. And um, m m mostly to me, it's pain. As long as you're not in pain and you don't have any like funk funky diseases happening, you're a-okay. You know, even when you have and present with a variety of things where whether you're intersex and you have very and you're very evidently intersex where you know you're you're showing up with and this isn't all that common where you're showing up with male and female genital variations simultaneously that can happen um, and it does happen in nature so for those people who are listening and they're like well that's not god's way it is it's all over, it's all over the the animal kingdom. There are genital variations and it happens even in animals where as they grow and develop into to um more of like their teenhood, there's there are actually um changes that occur in animals naturally 
so that is, um, yeah. So for those people watching who are like, it's just not God's way. Well, that's cool. You don't have to keep watching this because uh, it, it probably is. And historically there is evidence of it. So it's also not just something that's happening because there are hormones in the water that may be influencing things, but this is also there. There are documents going back thousands of years on this. So if you do have genital variations, whether you're intersex or whether you know, your AMAB, AFAB, if you're any of those things and you're wondering, are my genitals normal? Check on those two things that I mentioned. Are you in pain? And do you have anything funky going on? If neither of those apply to you, then the answer is your genitals are normal. And we'll talk about, you know, some averages that happen in the world and why, you know, why that those things show up and why maybe people are comparing themselves to these averages. Averages are averages. They're not really a standard to go by, but we can talk about those too. So we'll talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email, info at melitzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight we're talking about genitals and figuring out what is normal. And so what is normal to me is very different than what is average, which is very different than what is common, right? So what is normal to me has to do more with what, you know, what is actually okay and healthy. And so as long as, again, there's no pain and there's no funky diseases like if you if you've got a whole bunch of rot happening like say for example you have necrosis of the genitals and you've got like 
flesh eating disease in your genitals, now that that's not normal. That needs to be looked at. That's not healthy. So that is a different category than normal in terms of variations of size and uh, texture and all that sort of stuff, angle of the dangle. And whether, you know, if you're a, if you're AFAB, then you might even look at like, how big are your labia? Like there is, there can be such a, and there's actually shaming that goes on with this, which is mind boggling to me that people shame each other over their genitals and the size of their genitals. And like, I, you know, I've heard people say stuff, they're like, and they'll be like, ew, ew, that's gross. It's like, wow, there's, um, there's no kindness in this. There's very little, sorry, there probably is some kindness, but I find there's very little kindness in this world when it comes to bodies and especially when it comes to genitals. And it's something that we keep secret and we hide under our clothes and we, you know, there's shame involved and there's been shame for a long time. You can look at different reasons for that, whether it's, you know, whether that has to do with certain religious beliefs or whatever happens to be uh, common at the time, morals. And uh, depending on even different countries, they may even have the same, the same uh, religious beliefs, but even within the countries, they might have variations on what's acceptable. Like if you look at a country like Brazil, actually, let's bring that one, and where you know the majority of people are Christian, the majority of people are Catholic, and their beaches are filled with people who are super um like pretty much naked, like very, very little clothing covering them. So that is a different thing than if you went to say England and went to a beach in Bath or something. And then you're, you know, you're having people with very, uh, very much more clothing on. So I think it's not just the temperature of the weather. It has to do with how comfortable people are with their bodies and what they judge and what they don't judge and what they make significant and such. So there are normals and there are, things that are there but again what i would say is normal is something that's healthy that's it healthy and pain-free that's normal and what's is say average is a little different so there was a study done and i was in university i think at the time so somewhere in the 90s maybe it was prior to that there was a study done at the university of windsor by a professor there who had equated the size of the penis with the amount of intelligence of a person. Um, I'll try and find that information when I go to break to find out who that was, as the idea just kind of came into my mind. Um, so what he had what he had established, which was false, um, and I don't know what he was trying to prove with this, was that the smaller the penis, the more the uh, more intelligent people were. So what he was doing was grouping people according to very broad, very broad cultural uh, definitions. So he had Asians in a category, he had Europeans in a category, and he had Africans in a category. And what he had decided was 
through his research, and I don't remember how many people he bodies he looked at and uh, how he developed their figured out what their IQ level was, or if it was just a broad reaching statement that he had. He had concluded that Asian genitals were much smaller and that that led to higher capacity learning and that Europeans had a standard size penis average and average intelligence and that Africans had large penises and low intelligence. And we know that's not true. We know that's absolutely 100% not accurate. Um, there was a guy who on Netflix, uh, he, there was a special a number of years ago, and I don't think it's up anymore. He was a young guy. He had asked a woman to marry him like in front of an entire, I think it was like a baseball game. And she said no. And he was like, why? And she didn't want to say it on camera. And so she, I don't think she did, but eventually she told him it's because his penis was too small and she couldn't feel it or something like that. So it sent him on a search and he found out that his penis was like an average size for what would be uh, a culturally average penis in Asia. So he did all this, like, I think he even referred to this study as well uh, from the guy at University of Western. So after doing all this uh, discovery, he was looking for ways that you can uh, elongate your penis. And frankly, he didn't come up with any ones that were good. There are attempts to do things, but they're not necessarily functional. Uh, and they're not, they don't, they're not a long-term solution by any means. So trying to get implants and things like that. They're not at this, in this day and age right now in 2023, we do not have the most effective methods for having uh, like penile implants that function. So there are things where you'd have to pump up. Um, and so, you know, if you end up having like genital reconstruction or genital construction of any kind or um, any kind of work done on your genitals to either create a penis or enhance a penis, it's not gonna be the same as one that, uh, that forms in utero. So that penis is gonna have a different um, ability to function. All right, that's a little side note. So yeah, so through this research, he came up with these averages and for quite a while, this was like information that we could reference. Um, even though, even at the time, I do remember there being like great debate over how he came up with his conclusion. And there was great debate over uh, how valid this was and where he even came up with these ideas about it being related to to um, IQ intelligence of any kind. So aside from his work, Kinsey also did reports on genital size because uh, Kinsey was fascinated with all things sex and genitalia. Okay, Kinsey, we have a lot of information from Kinsey. <laughs> so Kinsey's research um, indicated that, I think Kinsey's research indicated that the average penis was six inches or seven inches and there was this uh this average that yeah i think it was six, six or six and a half anyway whatever it was somewhere in the six or seven range where that was what everybody reported and i don't know if if uh, in that research they were measured prior and after but there is a standard now that the average size penis is actually um 
anywhere from 3.61 inches long when flaccid to 5.17 inches long when erect. So about five inches for an erect penis. Now, what um, sex toys companies have gone and done is reflect that a lot in the size of vibrators and dildos. So that I know uh, when I was connected with a particular company that was a sex toys company when I was uh, like a, an affiliate for them, most of their dildos were six inch dildos and vibrators were also, unless you wanted a smaller vibrator, most of the vibrators that were shaped sort of like penis shaped, they were also about six inches. So they tend to reflect that in the toys. Although now looking at the research that's coming out now is that, that they're not six inches, they're actually 5.17 inches. So I don't know if this is also creating some disappointment for people where they're like, oh, well, my vibrator is bigger than you. So like our, you know, our bodies with penises getting rejected because there are toys out there that can outperform, outlast and um, be bigger than what is being offered on the human body. But I do know for a fact that, um, Yes, although 5.17 inches may be an average, it's, it's, um, maybe I've had just a weird experience, but I've seen more on the range of the other side of like seven to 10 inches than I have seen on the lower range and end of like under five inches. So uh, maybe it just depends. Um, maybe there is something cultural. I'm not really sure. However, the big question is, is it, is it functional? That's helpful, right? We want it to be, is it, you know, is there pain? In last week I talked about, on my show, I talked about uh, all things to do with penile pain and what's normal in terms of like, if you have penile pain, what you need to look at. And so if you're having pain, that go back and listen to that show and find out how you need to address that. So if you're having issues and you're and you're judging yourself going oh i'm just like I'm, i fall under the average you might fall under the average and is it that significant i think we need to take away the significance because it's actually can be incredibly cruel um and it can be something that even though um, you know, you might not say it to the person, they're going to feel it, they're going to feel judgment coming at them. And it's, I don't know, I think the question to ask is, would you want that? Would you want people judging you? Would you want your lovers judging your genitals for being to this or to that? And maybe you do, maybe that's something you get off on, because some people that is their fan there, that is a fetish for them, they like being humiliated and made fun of. And for those of you who don't like that, then it might also put some walls up to receiving your lover or lovers in general to having relationships because you might feel inadequate. So the thing is, is that especially when it comes to, to um, all things penetration related, that there is, there is so much more to sex than just penetration. Penetration is great. I'm a fan of it. And at the same time, 
there's so much more. The, the world of sex is so much bigger and so much more interesting and brighter than the standard penis and vagina, penis and anus sex. Like there's so much more to it. So we are going to look at like what is normal even in terms of uh, AFABs, in terms of like what shows up with external genitalia, even internally, like the length of the vagina, what's normal there. We're going to talk about that. When we come back, you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich where she will entice you and your body to know your own Pleasure Zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email. Info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, Miss Sweet Pleasure Seekers. Tonight we are talking about genitals and is it normal? And like when you look at your genitals, are they normal? So I know personally that when I was in labor, with actually it was prior to labor, and I was going to midwives, and my my midwives were checking, like doing some internal checks, and one of them was like, "Wow, you have a really long vagina," and I was like. Oh, 
I, and I had never to that moment. And I was 32, 33. I was 33 when I had, was I 33? Uh, was somewhere. I was 32 when I had my, my child. So um, when I remember hearing that, I was like, I had never considered at that age, even, and I'd studied sex stuff and I'd done other things and I'd studied, I'd even studied anatomy and I hadn't really ever sat down and thought about the length of a vagina and is it normal? Why? Because people don't usually even talk about that. It's not something that we, uh, you know, stick a tube in and measure the length or something, stick a, stick a metal straw. No, I don't actually remember. Um, and do not recommend you sticking any metal straws or tubes in. I'm just, I'm just kidding um, on how to measure that. So the thing of the measurement. So the reason why was the midwives were check, checking on the ripening of the cervix and they were having a hard time like getting deep enough. So I like to say that if I had external genitalia, if if my vagina had been flipped inside out into a penis, I would have probably an eight inch to 10 inch penis. Yep, because that's the kind of length I got going on. And that's something that's something that when you have a vagina, you brag about. No, you don't. Have you ever? I don't know. Out there. Whoever's listening, uh, just curious, have you ever actually bragged about the length of your vagina? I doubt it, right? Why? Because it's not something we normally think about. You might hear guys brag and go, oh yeah, man, like she couldn't even take me up. Like, I'm so big, she couldn't even take me. Okay, that's possible because there are vaginal lengths that are shorter, just like there are penile lengths that are shorter. And there are average lengths of vaginas as well. And there are, again, of course, studies done on that. Why? Because we are horny little weirdos on this planet. And we like to like measure everything. Let's measure the diameter of a nipple. Now, we kind of do that sort of thing as well. So what's the average breast size? We need to know that. We need to know the average of everything. Why? Because we want to be able to fit ourselves into the pretty little box called average. What about being outstanding? I have an outstandingly long vagina. Fantastic. So what do you have that's outstanding? I don't, I'm just going to brag about it all night long because we're talking about are your genitals normal and mine are outstanding. So, so what is the average length of a uh, a vagina. So we can look at it in two different ways. So one of the lengths that have been measured are in um, in people who have never been pregnant, and they have a vagina measurement for out of a hundred bodies that were measured, a uh, hundred vaginas that were measured in people who have never been pregnant. The average length of a vagina is about three inches, um, anywhere from three. 2.75 inches to about three and a quarter inches. So we'll say about three inches unstimulated. And then upon arousal, the, the vaginal canal will actually grow as well. And it can grow to 4.2 to about 4.75. So about four and a half inches if we take that average in length. So if the average penis is 5.71 inches, 
And the average length of a vagina is 4.5 inches for all my all the heteros out there or all people with those combos who could be trans and have those genitals um, still intact. Then you might find that putting those body parts together, that they actually they actually are almost fitting like um, like a glove, like they fit. They just happen to fit like that. So whether you and, and you know you know inserting in a penis into an anus too, there's a certain length. Like you could try and uh, figure out the length of your from your mouth to the back of your throat too to see how big of a penis you can fit into your mouth without like and how much uh you can actually get down your throat without choking like you deep throating like how much length is there because we're little weirdos and we like to measure things right so that's something you could do if you feel like it go ahead and measure but the chances are and so that's in um anybody who hasn't been pregnant now if you look at bodies who have been pregnant that number does change to anywhere from you know four to five inches anywhere up to that's unaroused and then during arousal can get up to eight inches so uh i think i don't know that that's always because pregnancy doesn't mean vaginal birth either so whether that is a result of all the hormones from pregnancy or whether that's a result of actually having a vaginal birth um, that is not part of the information in the study so when we look again when we look at genitals is that even something you ever considered <laughs> like i doubt it right and the other thing to think about too is like i've had i've also had uh lovers who were like i can't find your clitoris and i'm like dude like it's right here it's amazing women can find it like women are masterful at finding a clitoris so yay to the women um to the men who can't find the clitoris a lot of times it's because they don't realize that there are clitoral hoods and you just have to retract a clitoral hood and you can find a clitoris and clitoris has come in all different sizes as well and the majority of your clitoris so if you're watching on here let me just do like an interesting um diagram with my hand so here's the clitoris would come right in here so i'm making like a shape with my hand that's kind of like a, a teardrop shape and so at the very top would be the where the clitoris would be and what actually happens is the clitoris goes long and deep and it actually runs along the side um and and can affect feeling into about an inch into the maybe even two into the vaginal canal. So people are starting to look at the clitoris a lot different, knowing that it's a lot bigger than just the tip of the iceberg, just the tip that you can see. And whether your clitoris is like a centimeter out of your body or a few millimeters or like three centimeters out of your body, and some of them are can even uh, look like micropenises, because they're made of all the same erectile tissue so there is and and more and then there's variations but there's there's actually a lot that is that we can't see and then there's sometimes 
depending on the variations you have, having what would appear to be like a, a very micro penis is also in the realm of normal, as long as you're, again, not in pain and don't have an infection, right? So all of these variations. And for those of you who are now listening and like, I want to see a picture of that, you know, if you go and Google these variations, you'll find pictures. There are, whether it's through medical texts, um, because especially medical texts get fascinated by genital variations. There's quite a few pictures. Um, what was going on prior to the, prior to like about 10 years ago, when a, when a baby was born, if it showed up with ambiguous genitals, often doctors would just go ahead and do surgery and assume the, the sex of the baby, even though the baby might have shown up with a, an enlarged clitoris, but then it, the baby looked like it had more like testicles going on, then they would maybe decide to go for, and maybe there was even like a vaginal opening. They might decide to just assign the gender of the baby. There, this isn't happening as much uh, in the last 10, 10 or 15 years because there've been a lot of lawsuits about that. And there's been a lot of outcry to let people wait and see if they would like to have surgeries. And then there are also people who don't even know that their genitals are ambiguous because it's a lot sometimes internal and you can't tell. And so they've been assigned either female at birth or male at birth, but they're actually quite ambiguous. So unless you're having pain or you're having some kind of level of um, like desire that you, you want to be able to feel like you, you, that you feel safe in your body. I think that's, I think the key word is that you feel safe in your body and happy in your body, then you might opt for some kind of surgery. So this was happening though. So for those of you who are on the outcry of like, why are kids having like, you know, why are kids allowed to have surgeries now who are trans? And that's actually not that common, but what was common was doctors assigning um, genitals for them. So that has become less common and in fact we're getting more and more people who are able to uh, in different countries there actually now is identity on uh on a birth certificate that is the letter i for intersex so that the doctors do not have to assign amab or afab they don't have to assign female or male at birth they can assign intersex at birth especially if it if things are ambiguous and especially if um the parents aren't really sure like i think this is uh i think is a really great option so one of the things that i think we need to be more and more aware of is that all variations are completely normal and it's not as binary as we think it is just like there's there are actually probably more variations when within the binary um sex assignments like there's probably more variation between even in say like penis sizes than there is when you look at like we were just looking at penis length versus vaginal length those are pretty similar but then within each category, you're going to find far more 
um, farmer variations. So when you look at that, like there, there's a really great saying that we basically all have the same genitals, just organized differently. That's not my, those are not my words. Those are not like, um, these are, these are kind of like uh, some new keywords going around that are just helping people know that pretty much in utero, you are developing different things in different ways, different factors are affecting your body and the way that it's growing and chromosomally what's showing up. Uh, chromosomes will have an impact, but not always because you can be born with XY chromosomes and present, uh, it's not common, it's like one in 5,000, you can be born with like an XY chromosome, but present as as a, like as you'd be assigned female at birth because you have genitals that look more female, even though you have these internal testicles. So that's on the intersex spectrum. And the intersex spectrum is huge. There are many variations. I think there are up to 30 now variations on the intersex spectrum where some research says it's one in 2000 people. Some research says it's, you know, two in every hundred. They, some people say it's as common as red hair because there are more and more variations of, of how people are starting to wonder and there's information coming out too. And people aren't uh, having surgeries at birth like they were 15 years ago. So we're seeing a lot more of this more publicly. I happen to be on the side of TikTok where I, where I see a lot of intersex people get to hear their stories and um, hear where they're coming from. So I love listening to them. If you happen to be listening to this show and you are somebody who is intersex and you would love to be interviewed at some point, I would love to have a chat with you um, because I know living in a world where everything is incredibly binary, even in the bathrooms, and if you're born intersex, you might identify with one of the the binary um, sexes or as a as a gender that's the same gender that you were assigned um, as the sex at birth. You might have that, and then you might not. So you might be living in a world that feels a little bit strange, like who, you know, we don't get to, you know, like intersex people don't get talked about a lot. So the ambiguity can be. Um, a bit awkward and stressful. So we're going to head to our last commercial break. You're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Melitza. Every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. To participate in the program today, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. 
You can also make the choice to ask or comment by email. Info at MelitzaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, my sweet pleasure seekers. Tonight, we're talking about genitals and what's normal and what's not normal. And for a lot of people, I know that as a teenager, I I actually didn't know or care as a teenager what like was normal genitals. I didn't really think about it and I wasn't into porn, so I didn't see it. Plus porn back in that day, you'd actually have to go into a triple X shop, get a video uh, of that because the internet was really new and I didn't have it. And for people who did, they had access to that, but I didn't have access to it. So um I'm sure it was available, but mostly you'd have to go out and get your your videos. So I didn't see porn. So I didn't compare myself uh, or genitals. And I all I knew was from my grandpa's medical textbooks. So I knew what were anomalies of like health issues, like elephantitis of the testicle. I knew that was an issue <laughs> and I knew what that looked like. And I also knew what uh, STDs looked like on bodies so that I could like that I could figure out, like I knew what genital warts looked like, and I knew what all kinds of funky things looked like. So I knew what disease I could look for if there was a problem with that. But I hadn't had like concern about is that penis small or is it large? I didn't even think about that. And I didn't actually even know uh, what the difference was. And I didn't know that I had this extra long vagina either. Who knew? And it wasn't until I probably saw the first porn I ever saw that I was like, oh, wow, all those women have this same kind of vulva. They have the, you know, same look, unshaved, blah, blah, blah. And it has a very similar look. And I was like, well, that's not at all what I look like. I kind of joke about it, but I have like a, what I would say is a bulky vulva. It's kind of like always like bulk. And so it's funny because whenever I've talked to like, you know, I, I've had women who have written to me about like, oh, you know, like I've, as much as I get penis pics, I don't get vulva pics as often, but I do get those as well. <laughs> so, so I've had women like, go, oh, I'm like, no, I'm not sending you pictures, but I'll tell you, I have a bulky vulva. If that turns you on, enjoy. So, and for the most part, I've actually had quite a few women go, yeah, that's hot. And I'm like, hey, that's cool, because that's not exactly what porn would say is cool or sexy. So everybody is different. And I think you just need to find a lover that can appreciate your body. Be willing, if you're feeling shy about it, become friends with your genitals first. And I've done quite a few shows on that. So you can go back and find those, like becoming friends with your vagina and becoming friends with your vulva. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in to your body. <laughs>